believe that you can build an amazing life of significance by serving fewer, wealthier clients extremely well. We also believe you can do it faster and with less effort than you ever thought possible. Let us show you how to race up the hierarchy of advisor success. Welcome to the Preeminent Financial Advisor Podcast. I'm Paul Lofties at CEG Worldwide and at CEG, the number one coaching firm for financial advisors. We believe you can build and have an amazing life of significance by serving fewer but wealthier clients and doing it extremely well. CEG Worldwide is a coaching firm that helps financial advisors accelerate their success and build simple yet elegant wealth management businesses that are indispensable to the right affluent clients. And I'm Catherine McBreen from CEG Insights. CEG Insights was born of a strategic fusion of two industry powerhouses, Spectrum Group, a leader in affluent investor research, and the research team of CEG Worldwide, the number one coach for financial advisors. With over 20 years of affluent investor research and extensive coaching experience, CEG Insights empowers senior executives to engage with financial advisors, sharing insights and actionable steps for sustainable organic growth. And of course, we are your co-hosts for the Preeminent Advisor Podcast. On the Preeminent Advisor Podcast, we talk about leading industry cutting-edge research that CEG is doing with on uh, high net worth clients and what's going on in the, the marketplace out there. And then, of course, we talk about these insights and how we make them actionable to really help you be the premier advisor, the premier leader in your community. So, Kathy, we're continuing our discussion today of some of this great research that uh, is highlighted in the Play to Win uh, research paper. And what we're going to anchor in on for our discussion today is clients are considering switching advisors. So tell us a little bit about what you discovered here in your most recent research and then some general context as to how this differs than what we've historically seen. Sure. Um, so we do research, as you know, on a regular basis. And the research that we're talking about today was done you know, late last year, early this year, with over 1,200 investors who had over a million dollars of investable assets. And one of the questions that we asked them um, well, we, we get a lot of feedback about how unhappy they are with the economy and they're worried about recession and inflation and all that. But we asked them how likely they were to replace their primary advisor. Now, generally, when we ask this question, you know, from, from 2008 or 2010, let's say, until not, till a year ago, it was roughly, you know, 7 to 8% of people would consider changing advisors, and even fewer actually did it. The only other time we've seen a, a big bump was right after the recession in 2009 and 10. We saw like about 12% of people would um, would change their advisors. But when we asked this year, we were really surprised. And that's because although those with between one and $5 million of investable assets, about 8%, the same number said that they were thinking about changing advisors. As we went up in wealth, it changed dramatically. So those with five to $10 million of, of investable assets, basically 14% were thinking about reassessing their advisor. And when you got to the 10 million plus group, 22%, almost a quarter of investors we're thinking about changing advisors or shopping around for a new advisor. And that's just a phenomenal amount of 
people. And, you know, that's, that's almost a quarter of that group. So I think that that's something that financial advisors really need to think about. Um, there's lots of things that are driving this. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, the people, you know, returns probably haven't been as great. Um, the stock market, you know, is volatile. So maybe they're looking for better overall returns and maybe that's their biggest argument, but there are other things. I mean, a lot of these investors are looking for more holistic um, types of services and they haven't received them. So there are a lot of reasons for them to be shopping for a new advisor. And it's a great opportunity for advisors to be asking for referrals from their clients that may be at, from, to have good referrals to the clients that may have unhappy friends or unhappy family members who may be out there looking for a, a second opinion or something of that nature. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, the, the data surrounding those that said they're looking, really, if they say, hey, I'd strongly or somewhat agree that I would consider, I, we, we're going to say they're they're looking to move. They're, yeah. <laughs> right. But we also have a pretty good sized pocket here that says neutral. And I guess, how do you interpret, you know, how, how do advise, you know, Kathy, how do you think advisors should interpret that when they look at this? Well, the neutral category, you know, there's 13% of those with one to 5 million, um, 4% of those with five to 10, and another 16% of those with over $10 million of investable assets. I think a neutral is sort of a, you know, come to me with a good proposal and I'm probably might consider it. You know, I, I think that they're not necessarily looking, but if they heard a good argument, they'd be thinking about it. And part of it is because in the rest of the research that was done with this, it was showed that a lot of um, financial advisors haven't been proactive about mm -hmm. reaching out during this really like volatile time. I mean, a lot of wealthy individuals right now are, are in their 30s and 40s. And, you know, they've never really experienced an, an economy like this. They don't really know what inflation is. They, mm -hmm. you know, intellectually they do, but they've never really experienced it. So they're, we're finding that financial advisors just aren't reaching out and talking to them about it. Yeah, that's that's really interesting insight. So if we put together the definitely looking to move and then the neutral, I, I just want to add this up for our listeners. So for the one to five million dollar segment, that that's 21 percent, 21 percent of the market for the five to ten million dollar segment, that's uh, 18 percent of the market. And then what's really shocking, Kathy, is the 10 to 25 million market. This is 38% of the market. So, you know, we're, we're talking somewhere between 20% to 38% of high net worth clients are saying they're, they'd be likely to make a move if there was a, you know, a compelling value proposition. I, I'm curious, Kathy, do you... It, it, any thoughts on why it's the wealthier segment that seems to be indicating that they're the most likely to consider making a move? Um, now, this particular segment expects a lot of handholding or a lot of outreach, a lot of proactivity. They they expect to have the highest service levels. And um, we're finding that even in some of the other research we did, the service letter levels, you know, when we ask people if they're getting excellent service or satisfactory service, you know, like 50% are saying it's satisfactory, when in theory, you want 90% of your clients to say it's excellent, right? Yeah. You don't want 
And you don't want your investors to think that, you know, you're just giving them mediocre service. So that's part of it combined with everything else that's going on, as well as not the greatest investment returns. Um, so you can see where they're starting to think, you know, I have the ability to move someplace else if I want to, and I might be an attractive client for somebody who wants to care about me a little bit more. Yeah. So in, in the context here, with somewhere between 20% to 38% of high net worth clients saying, I, I'd consider moving if there was a compelling value proposition. I think it's good for advisors to really recognize um, I always used to say this to the, to the folks that worked with me. This is what opportunity looks like. <laughs> this is what opportunity looks like. Sometimes we don't appreciate it when we're in the midst of it. And, you know, in the past year, because of some of the volatility, you know, all of the uncertainty going on, you know, maybe we don't recognize it. This is what opportunity looks like. And this is probably in the next uh, 12 to 36 months. Um, one of the best times that advisors are ever going to see in their career uh, to have an opportunity to really transform their business by taking on uh, a significant number of higher net worth clients. And not just any clients, but if you focus on high net worth clients, you can really transform your practice <laughs> because you know they, they lead to so much more revenue. So this is what opportunity looks like. Kathy, you know, what do you think the what's the tactic to capitalize on this? I think it's proactivity. I think, you know, you may think that a client doesn't really care or really want to hear from you or a potential opportunity doesn't really want to care. But if somebody reaches out with a compelling, you know, just an explanation of what's going on or how long do you think it's going to last or what would you do in this particular circumstance? I think that they're willing to listen. And the fact that somebody's talking to them about it, it's easy when you're not giving your clients the greatest returns, whether it's your fault or not, to kind of like let things slide. And they're not dumb. They know that that's what you're doing. So the mm -hmm. fact that you can reach out and actually talk to them, I think the proactivity is one of the biggest motivators for people. Yeah, very good. Um, you know, we also think never a better time to be proactive in asking current clients and then also your centers of influence. So, you know, your CPAs, your attorneys, asking them th for referrals via what we like to call a, a second opinion, a second opinion service. So being proactive and, and letting, again, your clients and your centers of influence know that this is something that you're offering. And again, the internal framing here is, is very, very important and motive matters. So yeah, we want to get these people as clients, but what we also want to remember is there is nobody like you who's capable of providing leadership and guidance to these families that are telling us they need it. They're, they're not happy. So, you know, be, be bold <laughs> and be direct in letting your, uh, you know, your, your clients and your centers of influence know that you you're offering a, a, a second opinion. Yeah, sometimes you never know. I mean, they may have a sister or a brother or a next door neighbor who's really struggling or really just wants to hear from somebody else to get an opinion. And this is the time to really try to get referrals to these people. Yeah. So I really want to help, uh, you know, help our listeners out with some great insights on just, you know, the, the, what we have seen over the years with all of the research and all the coaching and consulting that we've done to really frame this conversation 
around um, a second opinion. And the first thing is just the framing of the second opinion itself. And that with everything going on socially, economically, and politically, people are concerned. They want to make smart decisions about your money. And when you have a great relationship with a client or CPAs or attorneys know what you're doing, you can always reference back to how you're helping them and guiding them through you know, th this period of economic, political, social uh, uh, uncertainty. And that you want to be able to do that as well and are available to do that for those that they care about. And again, anchoring to the idea that, you know, you, you want to provide value and leadership to people they care about that are having these same concerns. So that's the first thing. It's just the framing of the of the second opinion. But then, Kathy, in how somebody asks for a referral or a second opinion, there's there's three ways to do it. And one of them doesn't work well at all. <laughs> the other works slightly better, but there's really a best way to do it. A best way to do it. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I want to walk our walk our listeners through the through the three different ways to ask for a referral or uh, let them know that a second opinion is is out there. The one, the first one is I, I like to call it the awareness, the the awareness uh, strategy, which is, hey, Kathy, I, I just want to let you know uh, in this time of you know uncertainty that we offer second opinions to anybody that you care about. All right. I've I've made I've made you aware that <laughs> I offer second opinions. I've made you aware, perhaps you could say, you know, hey, I'm trying to grow we grow our business through referrals of working with people just like you. I'm open to referrals to offer somebody you care about a second opinion. Again, that's just awareness. All I've done is I've made you as my client or my center of influence aware, but awareness is, is not enough to really drive action in almost any scenario. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just not direct enough. So we, we need to go further than that to really help our, you know, help those that we're talking to. So instead of the awareness, the second one that we oftentimes see is the do you know anybody so we 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 state the value proposition of you know hey uh, i'm open to a, a referral to provide somebody a second opinion do you know anyone and that's better than just making them aware but what i don't like about the do you know anyone conversation is it's easy to say no to <laughs> you know it's uh it's a it's a yes or no question and so uh, it, 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 it just doesn't lend itself in the moment to them really being able to, to provide a connection. Now, what works really, uh, really well is I call this the acknowledge and assume, and this is by far the most effective. And, you know, you might say something, you know, I, I, I love working with you and families like yours, providing you guidance in this period of time. Um, you know, my experience is that like people hang out together, and I'm sure you know somebody that is struggling right now as well. And who do you know that would benefit from sitting down and getting a second opinion? So I, I, I'm not asking them, do you know anybody, which again is a yes or no question. This is a who do you know after you set up the framing of, you know, that 
people need help, people need guidance. Who do they know? So this is a question that's much more pointed to them being able to, you know, give a specific response as to somebody that they might be thinking about. And then the final thing, Kathy, that works really, really well is you always want to help your clients or your centers of influence with the introduction. And if they give you or when they give you the name based upon the who do you know conversation, you could jump back in and say, would you mind if I helped you make that introduction and I shared with you the best way for you to introduce me? Yes. <laughs> yes, they want that. They absolutely want that because um, you know, when it just when you just ambiguously leave it in their hands to make an introduction, is that via email? Is that via text? What does that mean? So help them, you know, uh, ask them, you know, who who do you know that would benefit from a second opinion and from a conversation? And can I give you uh, can I give you some help in how you might want to introduce introduce me? And then you can give them the scripting, the positioning that, you know, you like for your personal business. However, you like the connection, whether it's an email, whether it's a call, maybe it's a lunch, but you basically train them and help them figure this out so that they don't have to do it. And it, it just relieves the anxiety around it. And so those are just some great, say, some great tips. You know, we do research and ask people how comfortable they are giving referrals or referring their advisor. And basically 60% are more than happy to refer their advisor, even though they may be uncomfortable or unsure of how to do it. So it's not like you're really imposing on them. It's something that they're happy to do if they can. And as they get wealthier, they're more comfortable doing it. So it's really a win-win if you ask ask them to do it. It's one of those things you just have to kind of reach out and do. Yeah. So to, to summarize, uh, unprecedented opportunity, Kathy, we see this in the research. Um, you know, between 20 and 40% of high net worth clients are saying, give me a compelling value proposition and, and I'd be likely to move. So advisors should capitalize on this. Let your current clients and your centers of influence know that you're open to referrals to provide a second opinion and guidance and leadership to those that they care about. And the best way to do that is the acknowledge and assume framing. Who do you know? Who do you know that would benefit from this? And then when they tell you who they know, can, can I help you with some ideas on how you can most easily introduce me to them? And that will make things really, really easy. And you'll see your success rate really, really jump up with uh, your referrals and your second opinions. So uh, Kathy, it's good to see you. And I'm excited for our next podcast where we'll go over some more of your great research and some actionable insights on how advisors can capitalize on it. Sounds good. Best of luck to everybody. All right. Take care, Kathy. Bye-bye.